Hi everyone and welcome to Making Miracles Charities podcast, Baby Loss, Grief and Love. We're the first UK baby loss charity to start a podcast. We're relatable, professional and knowledgeable. Our team is here to aim to support you and the whole family through trauma and baby loss. We have a range of people on our podcast such as healthcare professionals, counsellors, families with lived in experience and much, much more. To take part, please contact me, Kelly at makingmiracles.org.uk. Thank you. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's podcast. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by Katrina. She's going to talk to me about her own journey through fertility issues, secondary infertility, and also Ashman syndrome, which is not a condition that many people know about. And she's going to help us understand exactly what that is about. So welcome, Katrina. Hi there. So if you wanted to start off by just talking really about your journey and how you obviously found out about Ashman's, then that'd be really helpful. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm super lucky to have three wonderful daughters, um, but I always knew that I was going to have high-risk pregnancies because I've got um, underlying bladder and bowel conditions. Um, I'm with my first, I had a complicated pregnancy and birth, but it all went fine. But um, between my first and my second, I lost my first baby um, for a fairly early miscarriage um, that required um, an ERPC that didn't pass naturally, um, which at that point I didn't know significance of problems with the ERPC. Um, And then I had my wonderful second daughter, but um, had a traumatic birth. Um, where she um, fell out my pelvis at the top of the stairs um, after being sent home from hospital numerous times, being in labour for three and a half weeks. And I had a sticky placenta, so I had to have that surgically removed afterwards. And then after that, I had the problem, my periods never came back. Um, And that's when I started to find out about Asherman's syndrome. I went to doctors on numerous occasions um, and they just sort of fobbed me off saying it'll come back, it'll come back. Um, and I know it sounds silly, but you just know something's not right with your body. Yeah. You knew yourself enough in your gut to know that, that something wasn't right. Yeah. Wasn't right. Um, and I had a scan at one point and the sonographer told me I had um, an uneven lining and um, uterine scarring which he at that point said oh it's fine some women have it it's probably because you've had your miscarriage and it's just part of the process and it's fine and the GP said the same so I naively thought we would try for our third baby and um, I lost the first one I fell pregnant with. And then I lost the second one. Um, and by that point, I just, I knew something wasn't right. So I um, started Googling myself. Um, I just felt that if your uterus isn't in the tip-top condition, how can it carry baby? And so 
through Googling, I just Googled uterine scarring, uneven alignment and miscarriage. The first Google hits you come up with is Asherman's. And I just read it and I just felt that that's what it is. And I went back to the GP and they were like, no, it's really rare. It won't be that. Um, and then unfortunately in the process, this is really soon after the second miscarriage, um, I was still having morning sickness and um, after five weeks I went back to the doctors and turned out um, my baby had a twin inside me. Oh my goodness. And um, that twin wasn't living any longer either. Um, and because by that time I knew I had, almost knew I had Asherman's, um, I didn't want surgery because Asherman's is caused through um, having a DNC or having a placenta surgically removed. So I knew it had been caused by one of the previous procedures that I'd had. So I went for the medical management and um, I hemorrhaged, passed out and hemorrhaged. So I got rushed to hospital and they had to perform a DNC again, which I really, really didn't want, but they had no choice. Um, so that kind of got me to that point where I was like, and you had to get the the Asherman's fixed. But unfortunately, there aren't many doctors who are trained or experienced in it. And if you don't get it fixed by a doctor who knows what they're doing, it can make it a lot worse. And there are women who have had their like uterus like punctured and been made infertile by a doctor who's not trained in using it, in, in um, treating it. So um, after considering what to do, we decided actually to pay privately, to pay one of the two specialists in London to treat it. Um, and it gets treated by a hysteroscopy. Um, and I was super fortunate that he was able to do it in one surgery and um, he was able to grow my lining again and we were able to have our final daughter. But I would say I'm in the fortunate situation that my Asherman's was treated quickly and I was able to diagnose myself essentially because on the online community there are women who um, 10 years down the line and then they discover they have Asherman's and that's the reason for their infertility um so yeah that's basically my convoluted story wow it's a lot isn't it um going back to like the gp yeah if they weren't hearing what you were saying and you know you, you said a few times that you had this is what you suspected you had did they actually diagnose it in the end or did uh, you, it was only when you went and got a specialist yeah. yeah, it was never diagnosed via GP. The first GP was a gynae specialist I was seeing at the doctors. She'd said was the one who said, oh, it was rare and it wouldn't happen. Um, at one point, I'd ended up 
at any due to severe because one of the things is you get um, severe period pain but you don't bleed because the scarring basically scars you shut so the blood can't get out um, and the any doctor said the same nah it won't be Asherman's and another GP hadn't, hadn't even heard of it and had to google it while I was in the wow. the surgery um, so I just it just seems to be something that from being in an online community um, support group that many doctors either haven't heard of or dismissed, but it seems to be more prevalent than yeah. literature would have you believe. believe. Yeah. yeah. But that, those GPs actually thought, no, this is a rare thing. Actually, it's not as rare as one would think. That's, that's how I believe it yeah it just based on like there are thousands of women in this it's just like a facebook support group and there are absolutely thousands of women both in the uk and worldwide who seem to be dealing with it and i'd put a post once on facebook and two of my friends messaged me and said that sounds like what i've got Mm. so it just shows that the because uh, medical staff don't seem to know about it. People are struggling with the infertility and it's just, I'm not saying obviously everyone who has secondary infertility, that's what it is, but it is clearly something that many women experience. Yeah. experience. And it's nearly always after they'll have had surgery, either due to a previous miscarriage or um, due to having a placenta surgically. Mm. removed because it is something the main reasons Mm. it's caused yeah I mean I consider myself to know quite a lot about these things um, and I certainly hadn't heard of it Mm -hmm. and even as I'm talking to you now I've got names of women that I've seen in my role going through my head thinking wow that could actually apply to them too and it's I think that's what's so important about the podcast is that we get awareness out there. Um, yeah. Just out of interest, how much was it for you to get that treatment? It's about £7,000. That is such a commitment and a lot of people out there could never do that. Yeah. And well, I would put the point in there are doctors on the NHS who can treat it and have successfully treated it. But the waiting list is at the minute two to three years, which obviously for some women, it I mean, that's a huge uh-huh. time. Mm-hmm. And also it's just some of them can treat it, but some of them, before I went to the specialist, I saw another woman and some of the things she said to me were just so concerning that I wouldn't have let her near me to treat it because I knew from the online community of the questions that you need to ask um Mm. and yeah just yeah so alarm bells with me wrong and she was someone I could have had covered with my private health insurance but for me it wasn't I was in the fortunate position that we were able to save up and pay and with help from family but um I appreciate that that's not Mm. everyone's situation and it's also it's not unfair yeah, it definitely right. does. But it's not even that. If you if it's really, really hard to get a diagnosis at a GP level, how do you even get on that waiting list for the treatment? Yeah. Like, you know, what are the key signs? What are 
the things yeah. that people should look out for? And so the main things are if you're not having periods, that would suggest scarring. And another thing would be some women have pain every time their periods due, but then don't have a period. Another sign would be if you've had either a baby where you've had your placenta removed or you've had a DNC and your periods don't come back as normal. So they're a lot lighter. So you are still having them, but they're a lot lighter. That would be a key sign as well. Um, and in the first instance, you can have it looked at as a sonographer by a sonographer, but you would need to have a procedure called an HSG to have it diagnosed, um, which is um, a bit more invasive, but it shows up. It's like internal and it shows up um, the scarring on the image, whereas as just a, a normal scan can be suggestive, but it can't actually diagnose diagnose it um, for certain you could have a scan that doesn't show it and then you have an HSG and it does show that you've got scarring in mm. the uterus wow as you can see I've read every single bit of literature yeah. that you yeah. can because I felt I had I felt I really one of the main things in the community is everyone says you have to self-advocate yeah for this because there isn't the knowledge out there so you have to read it and I would say to anyone who suspects that they might have it the online Facebook group is such a good way to start what's that called so there's two groups that I'm a member of the one is Asherman Syndrome Support UK and Ireland um that's good for support which is very UK specific but it is a much smaller community so you might not get as much um, sort of as many women's um, experiences and there's also a world a sort of world group is Asherman Syndrome Awareness and Support and it's got five and a half thousand members which shows the amount of women it's uh, affecting or has affected mm. And these are only women, obviously, that know that that's what it is. If it's, yeah. if it's, you know, more common than people think and it's more out there, but no one's getting diagnosed with it, then that's yeah. really tricky, isn't it? Yeah. And there are so many women who go on to have secondary infertility. Yeah. And, you know, some that go on and decide that they can't put themselves through it anymore. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. This was a cause of some of that and that could yeah. help. Um, you know, that could be really, really helpful for women. Yeah. But at least be able to consider that that, that it could be this. It's I mean, obviously it's not for everyone that's suffering with yeah. infertility, but I think raising awareness of this is really important. Um, and a mm -hmm. lot of our listeners can probably relate to some of those symptoms. Yeah. And that for me is how I feel because I am in this super blessed position I've had the family that I wanted but for me I'll never forget what it was going through all those issues and I really want to just raise awareness of mm. something that I had that other people may yeah have and not a lot. 
been through a lot, you know, and even talking to you, obviously the guys out there listening can't see you, but talking to you and it's obviously very raw for you still, those losses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I still think of my babies every day, even though I've got three wonderful girls. I still think of them and what it, what they could be and what age and I know their birthdays or their due dates and yeah I don't think I've always talked about it because even going through it I always talked about it because for me it was important Mm. but yeah yeah you never forget babies you've had and doesn't go away (laughs) so how many years ago was that now so my first loss was in two 2017 and then the other three were during lockdown in 2020 and that was a lot to go through in lockdown as well with yeah my husband couldn't be in the hospital <laughs> which was yeah. really tough tough and I know so many women that have said that yeah that's one of the hardest stuff and I would say not just for me for him as well like Mm. he couldn't be there for me he couldn't be there at the scans to find out what was going on and stuff and yeah it was hard for both of us and when I got rushed to hospital he was just in bed (laughs) he didn't couldn't do anything and yeah I think it was a hard time for all women it's always a hard time, but at that point for all women going through that sort of thing, I think. That that, was a, been on that side yeah. of thing for both the mum and the dad was really. And how is he? Does he how does he how did he deal with all this? Um I think the hardest yeah, it was hard for him because he didn't like see me going through it and he absolutely was not sure whether we should go for the third because of I nearly didn't make it after the um the miscarriage that I hemorrhaged and and I completely understand why because he saw me going through it. But I also I'm quite a determined person. <laughs> and, I knew that we wanted three and it was we yeah we were lucky that we did um and I think the hardest for him he's always said the hardest was the birth of my second daughter and she was born at home because having to deliver a baby is uh mm. really traumatic yeah and did um, he get any support with any of that or did he deal with it in his own way um for that part, what we found helpful was we went and spoke to the hospital afterwards because for three and a half weeks before I'd been sent back from hospital three times, even though I'd been in, in labour three times and they sent me back um, and the hospital admitted failings on their part. Um, and the other thing we actually got was the recording of the ambulance call in the thing to help us sort of process it because when you're in in the moment we were trying to remember exactly what happened and yes it had a good outcome but for us it was going through our minds we were constantly we felt that we were constantly discussing it and we both saw it from different points of view and what happened and actually getting the 
for him because it was his voice he found getting that helped him yeah process it so for him those two things were really really helpful and for 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 me <laughs> you won't remember it but years ago I saw you and making miracles for the first time in Gravesend um Thames Gate and I spoke to you very briefly and that's actually what I needed at that point that's all I needed to sort oh, wow. of help me knowing about making miracles and speaking I only spoke to you for like 10 minutes but that I think I, I remember you I didn't feel <laughs> to you well it's my accent probably <laughs> but yeah and since then for me just things like I bought my second daughter's baby blanket from making miracles because she's a wee miracle and my third daughter used it as well and just things like that I know it's, it's a silly thing but things like that helped me like knowing that they were in a using a blanket that was made by someone who understood oh, things like so that. <laughs> yeah I do remember you I do remember you because <laughs> I was very rarely there so when I was I remember oh, okay yeah yeah, yeah, well, cool. Yeah, so yeah, that would have been years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was maybe one of the first times you've been. Right. Yeah. Oh wow, oh, that's lovely. <laughs> how, and look at what you've been through since, and I know how far you've come and in your journey. And you know, I'm so grateful for you coming on. I'm really, you know, things like this podcast that just get people talking yeah. and hearing other people's experiences and finding out about you know different different things like the syndrome you know um that is said to be rare but maybe not so much you know yeah. we're not in the medical profession to be able to identify any of that of course but to talk about it and to get the awareness out there that this is a thing and to maybe prompt people to go and get checked if some of the symptoms were or do a bit more research let's say on those groups and then find out more about it because at the end of the day if that helps them in their fertility journey and get the baby this side of life that they so desperately want um that can only be helpful and also you know just that stigma around loss and around to accept what is what will be will be you know silly words that people say and yeah that's you know that's you know what perhaps this is right and perhaps you shouldn't do this you know you've gone on you've had the treatment and I know it's obviously been a huge financial commitment to do that and not Mm. many people can but you've had that treatment and you've got what you wanted at the end of it so it's a really positive ending for you and journey through this grief and loss um but to get that and to do that is you know a credit to you to fight for what you felt was right and to stand by your belief in that you know your own body better than anyone else and that that gives a lot of empowerment I think to people who may be out there feeling isolated and lonely and not know who to turn to or what to talk about um and I think that's really really special so I'm so grateful for you coming on and talking about you and can I just say if anyone wanted to contact me directly you're welcome to pass on details and I would um, support anyone that I can because I won't think everyone deserves to have children that they want and, and have that to help anyone yeah 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 of course um guys if this has touched anyone or if you feel you want to find out more um or have a 
direct conversation, email conversation with Katrina, please um, email me and I will pass you on. Um, my email, as always, if anyone wants to come on and talk about any of the things really we raised today or if anyone knows of any other, you know, um, secondary infertility links, uh, we are all for discussing that and raising awareness. It's part of what we do. It's part of the people we support and the community. And it's really important. So anyone wants to get in touch with Katrina or myself, it's kelly at makingmiracles.org.uk. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you.